Hello, guys. Uh, welcome to Rubonus Podcast. I'm the host, Donatus Rubonus, and I'm joined by my colleague, colleagues, Augustas Šuliauskas and Ritis Vishniauskas. Welcome on board, guys. Hello, Donatus. Hey, nice to see you guys again. <laughs> Most least exciting hey I've heard um, recently. No. Although uh, it's our birthday guy, actually. Ritis, <laughs> congratulations. Happy birthday. Yeah, thank you, man. Show some love thank in the man. comment uh, section. And, okay, you cannot go wrong with haircuts jokes, but, you know, please, please be, you know, please surprise us. Please all respect the wishes. my helmet. <laughs> I, I'm actually having a haircut tomorrow, so... It's, Just it, in case. Yeah. Did you see... It's, it's time. Donato, did you see Ritis' tweet? Uh, yeah, yeah. About yeah. the haircut? I wanted more respect, like... <laughs> yeah, that's true, that's true. People are hating too much on my haircut. It's I not mean, a haircut, it's just a bunch of hair, actually. You didn't deserve that kind of pressure. <laughs> I want no, more respect, sounds like. Yeah, yeah honestly, we know. I had a really nice birthday with with uh, three broadcasts in a row, so it was a pretty busy Sunday for me. I actually have a, a bit of a cold, let's say, that's why my hay sounded not really enthusiastic, but sure, sure as hell, I'm really excited about the EuroLeague, that it started... We had already some great games in the first game week, and it's, I'm re- I'm really happy once again to see quality basketball with quality refereeing. Exactly. I would like to emphasize exactly. this. Uh, it was point. it was such a pleasure to see Euroleague refs back in action. They spot those things like in Tel Aviv when when uh, Poitras. Uh, touched the backboard uh, yeah. while Dimsha was going for a layup. Two points were counted. I'm 100% sure that in FIBA, uh, refs wouldn't see that. And all the other things we got used to in the Eurobasket now in EuroLeague, again, you see, there are no unnecessary technical fouls. Uh, the refs are keeping up with the pace that the players offer because obviously in EuroLeague, the, the pace is, is, is much higher than the national team basketball. So that's the first thing I want to say about, about the first game week. Yeah, we will discuss it uh, quite soon. Of course, the EuroLeague opener is the big, uh, the main topic of this pod, including the basket news, very first EuroLeague players ranking. But exactly, there was that feeling that nobody stole the spotlight from the players, from the stars of this game. Uh, but let's be honest, actually, the former EuroLeague guy, guy stole the spotlight from the EuroLeague opener. Uh, in the U.S. market, it's Victor Wembanyama. I mean, with his uh, presence in Vegas, 36.5 points and 4.5 blocks uh, in two games against G League Ignite. And I remember it brought me back, you know, to that podcast in August where we were discussing the biggest off-season losses in the EuroLeague. I, I mentioned Victor Wembanyama, and probably now you see why. I mean, not just because of his game. I don't see him dominating EuroLeague basketball by no chance. But I'm just talking about the general hype he creates. Can you imagine him just returning to EuroLeague after this trip with all the comments, with all the feedback he received from LeBron, from Steph, from Giannis, with all the fans? I believe that they would watch some at least highlights of Fembanyama in the EuroLeague. You can imagine how his highlights would go viral in social media. I believe more people would go to gyms uh, to watch Aswell away games just to, let's say, witness Vembanyama for the one last uh, season. Uh, you can you can predict many NBA people uh, coming to these uh, arenas and, you know, EuroLeague logo will be uh, all the time around here. So that I think that's, that's a huge loss for the EuroLeague basketball. But in any case... What did you guys took from from this well, 
hype experience and the whole you know thing that happened last week first of all i just want to say also a lot of people would be frustrated uh, seeing Vembanyama only playing for 10 or 12 minutes because in euroleague it's all about winning games and not about developing talent so uh it's a good thing for him and his his career that he's playing in a french league he has the ability to go and play against the g league talents against the potential number two draft pick so uh, I, I don't think that playing in the EuroLeague would create as much hype as we're expecting. We wouldn't have as many highlights as we have right now. Unless Aswell would have changed the direction completely. Let's say this is Vembanyama's team. We're working for this project for the upcoming season just to get the buyout, just to get some attention, or to show that this is a good platform for the future prospects yeah, to, to leap to the I mean, NBA. in EuroLeague, coaches usually have the pressure to win or to at least compete in every game. And developing young players while sacrificing the results, it just doesn't happen in the Euroleague. It's it, it's not built like that. There's no tanking. There's no there's no purpose for, drafting, for doing there's that. There's nothing. Yeah. There's no purpose in losing. Like, and if you develop Vembanyama, what are you getting from that? He's the number one pick. He's locked as the number one pick, whether he plays in the Euroleague or not. So as well as organization, wouldn't get much from Vembanyama playing extended minutes. Mm. I mean, basketball-wise. Yeah, I'm talking basketball-wise. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I don't really get the commercial idea. Yeah, you're promoting the biggest talent. You're getting all the hype. It doesn't mean that Euroleague grows to the U.S. market. Vembanyama's going to play in the NBA. Next season, there's no Vembanyama anyways. So... I wouldn't agree with you. I mean, there was a reason why Waj reported that uh, drafting Vembanyama instantly adds around $500 million to any NBA franchise if they're taking him in yeah, the draft. Yeah, but what does it add to the EuroLeague? I mean, that's their job, you know, let's say, to monetize Vembanyama's experience. And you At can least, create I a lot of I think it's a value. long shot. I think it's a very long shot. I mean, we're lucky to have this unicorn type of player in Europe right now. Who knows when we're going to have the next number one pick from Europe. But... Um, I don't really see how, at this particular moment, Euroleague can generate income from teenagers. I mean, you can you can sell the you can make some TV deals outside Europe, for example. And then you have to, to use this Vampanyama experience. And then you have to tell Asphalt, you need to play this guy for thirty minutes. Maybe you have maybe you need to convince them somehow. If there was David Stern in the office in Barcelona, maybe that would be the case. <sighs> If there was David Stern, no, I see your you're, point. You're, you're <laughs> sabotaging Euroleague. Uh, <laughs> kind of, kind of. Yeah. Anyway, what what, what was your initial What was your, your main takes, uh, let's say, from that experience? Because... You mean those... Let's be G honest. G-League games? It, games against G-League team. Because let's be honest, I think that when U.S. fans watched Vambanyama playing, they were like thinking, oh my God, this guy is making seven three-pointers every game mm. in, in Europe and he's something... I mean, the level of these games is questionable, and in Europe, the life is way harder uh, for Vembanyama. So, yeah, but I saw him in the French league in a, in a really competitive environment. I mean, he's not gonna average thirty six points in the French league, but the impact on the court is more than uh, obvious. Yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, an another thing he's is great, that but not on that level. You yeah. know, every given uh, day in every every given competition. And Americans didn't only witness Vembanyama; they witnessed a legit real life player by the name Steve Ho You Fat. <laughs> yeah, that's also true. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, anyway, August, you, you, you've gem. been silent for too long. Like, what are your no, thoughts? I was just listening. 
you were doing uh, you were doing Vembanyama's analysis uh, video breakdown, yeah. right? And you were actually watching French league this games. week. Yeah, I mean, it was these these two games uh, he played uh, in in USA were just he could do anything he wanted on the court. Basically, it was just okay, Victor, just take the ball, show whatever you can do, maybe take those shots that you are not going to take uh, back in the French league. But uh, the kid is just, you know, amazing. I'm not going to say any, anything new. We we all know that. But just the the physical talent that he is combined with the with the skills he has is just something I don't think we have ever seen before. And uh, obviously, he still has some misses. Nobody is talking about the I'm like I call them the lowlights. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody's uh, social media is not showing these things. Like yeah. he still lacks a lot of strength, uh, even though he is so tall and has a crazy wingspan. Uh, teams still go it go against him uh, in, in the post. You know, just stronger center is just pushing him back uh, near the rim. And scoring, so he has even guards. I mean, Scoot Henderson. Let's give credit to this guy. I mean, he was amazing. He was not, uh, you know, shy of uh, attacking Bamboyama. Uh, but the everybody rim, remembers yeah. the block. That's true. That's true. And Although that's, they were like because, at least you know, five possessions when Henderson was just killing Bamboyama in the paint. This is the problem I have with the you know social media mm. po just posting the highlights and never uh, talking about anything else. All we see is. Uh, the most watched clips, and and we make conclusions only from that. Uh, obviously, he is the number one pick. He will be great, and he's a generational talent. But uh, there is also another side that you know maybe gets a little bit uh, left o left overshadowed. Unseen. Yeah, overshadowed. Yeah, I agree with you uh, completely. Uh, also, there were some like amazing uh, pictures. Uh, with when Banyama's standing next to Rudy Gobert and Rudy Gobert all of a sudden looks small. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Victor said his real height in, in meters is 220? 221. Without, yeah. without uh, shoes. Without yeah, shoes. Barefoot, yeah. yeah. So no, he's, st he's still growing because I, I remember like a year ago he was listed at 217 or 218. Could be. Yeah, just he's just LeBron James said that Mbanyama looks like an alien. Uh, not forget unicorns. unicorns. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we That's have we have level. unicorns now every year. He's an alien. Mm. When you get a compliment from a player like LeBron James and he's saying things about you like this, I mean, you see something, you all. something like KD's handles, Porzingis' jump shot. Um, that's the that's the question I actually had for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, since since uh, LeBron told that. Mbanyama looks like an alien, and he knows alien stuff because he took part in Space Jam too. And he shouldn't have done that. Let's. <laughs> that, that's another topic. That's another big topic, and probably we're gonna discuss some basketball movies in the upcoming episodes yes. because we have a lot of recent uh, reasons for that. With the recent one, the Redeem Team documentary on on Netflix. Uh, but anyway, coming back to the Space Jam topic, let's say Mbanyama is a project of Mr. Schwaghammer. And Vembanyama is actually a project coming off Morn Mountain. I'm talking about Space Jam characters and destinations. And Schwaghammer uh, created him cloning the talents and bodies of the NBA superstars, just as you started. So w which which talents uh, Vembanyama is cloning? I mean, uh, in terms of his handles, shots, mm. personality, size, defense. Like I said, like KD's handles, Porzingis' jump shot, 
I mean, the, the, the shot is is also you could say KD, you know, handles and the shot a shots. little bit. But when it's a spot the up shot, but when it's a spot up yeah. shot, it looks more like Porzingis. But mm. off the dribble, you could compare to KD. Um, personality wise, I'd say he's kind of humble. He's smart. Mm. He reminds me of Giannis a little bit. I had the same name. I mean, uh, but I mean, when you're 18 years old and you're on the cover of Slam magazine, it's 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 kind of easy to to, um, I don't know how they say it in English, uh, when you become star, when you become a star, but it's an illness, like yeah, star sick or something. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know how to say it. Like we have Zvigzhuliga <laughs> term yeah. in, in star illness, yeah, something like that. Um, so but he it he looks nothing like that. He looks really humble and, and he just loves playing basketball. So I would compare him to Yanis. Yanis with less dramatic history, probably. He does, didn't have to go through all these obstacles he yeah, had in his life. Yeah, for sure, so. for sure. But when you see him in front of the cameras in the interviews, he kind of reminds me of Yanis under the Kumpo. Mm. And uh, you have also Eddie Tavares' size. So I would, Rudy Gobert. I, I would compare him more, no. more to Tavares, actually. I, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about his size. and So... You're getting Kevin Durant skills, uh, the Tavares size, and Yanis Antetokounmpo character, something like that. Sounds like He's, a nice combination. You know, uh, people might not, not not watch it during the games, but uh, NBA scouts really take consideration into this. You know, your body language, mm -hmm. how you interact with your teammates, how you you know how you are walking toward, towards the bench when you are when you are substituted. And he's always clapping. He's always calm. He's always supporting his teammates after bad, bad, uh, bad possessions. That that's something I really enjoy watching. Watching about this guy, you know, not from the things he does. He he doesn't accord because obviously that's you know next level stuff. Yeah, there was one good tweet that before or during the French league game, he was like starting the huddle uh, of of his teammates mm. uh, during the game during some tough situation, and which is not very common for for an eighteen-year-old. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's True. coming from a good family he's a smart guy i mean these these people are taking care of him very well including the agent buna and, and jaya he's he's labeled as the mishko raznatovich of france which means he's he's good at his job and probably he he i mean buna and jaya and and his let's say camp were behind this let's say shocking but smart move to go to metropolitans to get Wembanyama ready uh, for the nba uh, experience actually Wembanyama is uh, called up to the french national team we will see him in panevegis uh, who is in, going in to November. guard Wembanyama? <laughs> i don't know man i don't know we're gonna coach Kemzura, coach Kemzura has, has some time to prepare his team for this obviously it's going to be a competitive game yeah, it's going to be a different uh, story it's, it's not about player being developed or getting as many touches as possible so we will see what happens uh but it's gonna have the same head coach yeah it will be his debut in the men's national team and and what a lucky man actually vincent collet is he had the opportunity to coach uh, nba finals mvp tony parker he um has the opportunity to coach the biggest prospect ever coming from europe uh he might have an opportunity to coach joel Embiid. If he decides to play for France and and the upcoming Olympics are hosted uh, in Paris, so Vincent Collet is really a very lucky man, yeah. in my opinion. <laughs> the last point I, I get, uh, mm -hmm. about when Ben Banyama and this his whole situation is just I just uh, thought about the last time we had a projected number one pick in Europe and it was Luka Doncic, and he was balling out in Euroleague he was the MVP of the winning team and he still didn't get drafted number one even though okay there were there were some talks 
but he was, you know, from our point of view, from your European point of view, he was disrespected mm -hmm. by by some teams in in that draft. Now we have a guy who isn't even playing in the Euroleague. He's playing against, uh, you know, in a, in a local French league in a, against G League friendly game, G League teams friendly games, and we have him already a lock for for the number one uh, pick. Just shows you how much uh the size and physical attributes how much it, it does matter in now nowadays game so that's just one point for me that, that that is astonishing and maybe even more about lucas you know situation than than ben ben yeah. you do remember who was the european drafted at number one the Andrea only Barnani. the only european was andrea barniani and a lot of people were frustrated disappointed uh, the Madison Square Garden was just booing him uh, during the draft night. And eventually you can say as a number one pick, he flopped. And these things stuck in American minds, like European drafted number one was a failure. So it's no surprise that it took 16 years for another European. He's not even drafted yet. Yeah. He's going to be drafted number one. But um, it took a, a while and Luka Doncic was you can say overlooked because probably a lot of people were still doubting him and these past experiences had something with it mm. and and so Aiton was ahead of him Bagley was ahead of him in the draft and eventually he was traded for for Trey Young for fifth pick I mean just every European in the top 10 basically was booed uh, in in the last uh, recently, you, know, yeah. you could say that there memory. were some bad in a way. In a way, the recent uh, first pick is European, like with Italian roots and Italian mm. passport, Paolo Banquero. Okay. But, but it's a player coming, coming from, from American system, from an American basketball system, so it's it's different. Yeah, but probably yeah, just players that were uh, playing in Europe, let's say. So yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, let's be honest. I mean. Dembomiyama is getting a free pass on a lot of things just because he's a physical freak and just Steph Curry said he's like NBA 2K my player character. I mean, he has an upside that no one yeah, ever exactly, had in exactly. history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So His ceiling is so high that if he gets an Achilles injury right now, he'll still be drafted number one with an injury because That's he's man. 18 years old. But I wish him all the best and I hope he'll avoid injuries and, and stay healthy during the season. I... This this weekend I was thinking this thing, uh, which is better? Which one do you prefer for your uh, supported team in the NBA? Winning NBA title title this year or being last and drafting Victor Wembanyama? Being last and drafting Victor because uh, not only uh, the potential basketball value but the commercial value yeah. is so huge. Like winning the title right now is is fun and all, but that's in, crazy. In, in know, NBA, you're always thinking about the long term. When Banyama might win you even more titles mm -hmm. in the future, and at the same time, all of a no. sudden, you have this opportunity to just make a lot of money from his name by drafting him. And who knows who's gonna draft him? Like my um, uh, hope is that he ends up in San Antonio, exactly, because San Antonio, the moment mm -hmm. when they traded Dejounte Murray, you knew that. This is going to mm. be the tank here for the first time in his career. Greg Popovich is going to be the tank commander. We'll see how the it glorious goes. Glorious road. We'll see if they win this lottery. I see like at least five teams that can uh, tank in the natural way. And there are mm. some teams that are a little bit too good to start losing games, but they'll figure it out probably. Yeah, it would have been a perfect setup. The mock uh, 
the what do you say the draft uh, where the they mock draft no no not the draft mock projection. draft uh, where they found out the draft picks lottery lottery, lottery sh uh, show uh, before oh. will be probably even watched more than I don't the know most some, watched lottery some, show probably yeah. ever some playoff games more than some playoff a lot games. of drama tears and and faces probably of not getting the first pick that's mm. crazy yeah nice anyway getting back to video games uh we have our new uh, friends on the podcast which is world of warships world of warships is a free historical online combat pc game from wargaming with its massive fleet of most iconic war vessels including five different ship classes and a strategically designed environment world of warships provides the ultimate naval uh, warfare gaming experience suitable for everyone and thanks to its largest collection of historically accurate ships available to play world of warships prides itself as a digi digital ship museum and a focal point for naval historic enthusiasts new to content and innovative game modes are being added on a regular basis providing diverse and exciting gameplay to its broad player base so guys do you play video games are you too um, old for it Ritus does, I, know. I do but sports simulators and and grand theft auto basically okay Legendary i have uh, i have consoles at home like ps1 ps2 i don't have the ps3 but i have the ps4 and ps5 i have uh like collection of FIFA and NBA games. Have a gamer here. Goes all the way back to NBA Life '99. Yeah, but I don't have enough time to play mm. usually like these. It's a time killer, man. Uh, like these uh, RPG type of games or or strategic games, they require some time. But in my teenage days, I used to grind like Diablo and, and grind and uh, heroes. There was a game like Heroes, heroes of yeah. Might and Magic. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used to play all these games on my father's laptop yeah i was a gamer too <laughs> and I, then I, I discovered playstation world i loved nba live pro evolution soccer was amazing <laughs> no, it's not sadness pro evolution soccer is <laughs> was the best game <laughs> at that time in, in terms of gameplay it beats fifa all the time it's just sad that they lose in the commercial battle and and with all the licensing and and obviously but it's the last year for fifa as it is right now actually there will be some changes okay Okay, so I'm just happy that these video games were not as developed as we can see now because it's almost like a real-life situations, real-life uh, graphics. So if it was back in the day when I was like 12, 13, or 11, I would just didn't come out from, from my house, actually, because of but that. But it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think that it's underrated, like playing computer games as long as you don't go insane and play too much and overplay it gives you... A lot That's of true. advantages in in terms of quick thinking. There were a lot of scientific researches on that that it actually helps. Yeah, of course. Obviously, some games require certain um, mental skills. Some games don't. I play a lot of Football Manager actually, and it helps mm. me to prepare for for my job. Mm. So scouts and players. You cannot yeah. say it's a bad thing that I spend an hour or two playing Football Manager on my laptop. And fan or fantasy lets you keep up with or the, fantasy yeah. games yeah, yeah, also yeah, yeah. yeah it, it definitely allows you to keep up all the players uh, how things are happening I started the EuroLeague fantasy season actually pretty well so I'm happy about that we don't want thanks to Bonzi we, we Carlson do, we don't want to talk about it here because my man Bonzi Carlson I trusted him from the very first day no he's good he's by the way uh, Ogie you told that you don't have PlayStation or yeah. Xbox? I play some Fortnite with friends, but I play uh -huh. it on, on the on PC. 
they're good news from World of Warships because they're available on Apple and Android mobile devices. So okay. more inf- official information on their official website, worldofwarships.o. Let's talk about EuroLeague basketball and EuroLeague opener. And let's say it would be right to call the game between Barca and Olympiacos kind of the game of the week. We're having two Final Four teams, uh, two great coach teams with a lot of talent over there. What would be your main insights about that match in Barcelona? Just that Olympiacos is such a weld oil machine already in the first game of the season, you know. I see some patterns. I saw some patterns in the first, uh, in round one. Uh, those teams with the most continuity and the old teams from the EuroLeague all won their games. You know, uh, Olympiacos won, uh, Alba won against Partizan, Monaco won against Bologna. You know, these newly promoted teams were kind of having hard time, you know, starting uh, at the higher level. But about Olympiacos is just uh, how well they know everything they want to do, how well they flow into secondary actions. Nobody is wasting time on offense, uh, especially Sasha you know Vizenko. not wasting time <laughs> on offense. I mean, we were watching uh, yeah. the game with uh, Augustas <laughs> on Friday here in the office, and we found a new advanced stat which should be introduced in the EuroLeague. It's the m- biggest efficiency with the least basketball actions, including ball oh. handling and just literally moving. So oh. Sasha Vizenkov would be the he's leader the, of the this guy to watch. department. Mirotic yeah. kind of does the same thing sometimes. I mean, but, but just you know, watch he, Sasha Vizenkov and the way... Yeah, I, I mean, agree with you. Just... And you know what? Like, I, I was talking about this for the past couple of weeks uh, that I can see a lineup where Vizenkov is more as a number three with, with Peters as a number four. And it was perhaps they, the best they, they lineup for Olympiakos. They used it for like extended minutes in the second quarter and it worked. Like Tariq Black was the number five or Joel Bolomboy. Bartokas found out quite early in the first quarter that it's not going to be the game where Mustafa Fall dominates and they should stick to the smaller lineup. Joel Bolomboy had a fantastic, fantastic game. Uh, game. He was actually the MVP in numbers. Yeah. The two players that gave the TV interviews for Olympiakos were not Lukas or Vizenkov. They were Larenzakis and Bolomboy. And defense, especially in the first half, was just crazy. Like, I love the way they um, switch and then they re-switch in the middle of, of, of like Jokobaitis driving to the left. So there's Thomas Walkup all of a sudden again next to him. It's crazy how hard. Imagine you're, you know, they switch, you don't have advantage. Then you try to pass the ball into the post, but they fr- the Olympiakos front. So you decide, okay, so I have a big guy. I'm going to drive because... You know, they're fronting, there's going to be a lane open. And then you're driving and there is another one, uh, another time, one more guy in front of you. So mm. uh, this defense is, you know, already their offense and defense is already in like, let's say, mid-season shape. Obviously, it's not. There are, there were some mistakes and, and stuff like that. But you cannot compare that with other teams I saw from, from, from round one. Yeah, and, and in the fourth quarter, Lucas is just sitting on the bench. Uh, meanwhile, Larenzakis is hitting daggers. Four from four. Larry is a legend. I mean, he's he's called Larry in Olympiacos, and we we also agreed. I mean, Augustus was just shouting Wait, did when Larenzakis. Did you see Larry Legend? Are you comparing? What is Larenzakis? I don't know. To the great Larry Let's Bird. Leave it for our followers. No, <laughs> uh, we have we had this uh, bet uh, last week uh, with five predictions, and if Augustus wins the bet, uh, we will buy him Larenzakis T-shirt. That's what he actually uh, wanted. 
after that game Fair because enough. he was just shouting here Fair and enough. just exploded. Well, exploded every coach would love to have a player that is so devoted to his task. Playing defense is like a hobby for him. He has a lot of passion and also he improved a lot uh, his confidence, his jump shot. Now he trusts himself more on offense. Not only he hit two spot-up shots, he hit two three-pointers off the dribble with the last yeah. second of the shot clock. And he basically killed the game with those shots. So that, that's pretty amazing. Like in the first in the first half, he played just sporadic minutes, and all of a sudden in the second half, he becomes a game changer. And I remember last season in Palau, it was more of the same story, just that Barca won in the in the overtime. But Lorenzakis also out of nowhere started hitting three pointers and making all these big plays. He's becoming one of my most favorite role players, and he's my first nominee of the year for this John Brown Alberto Diaz uh, <laughs> award winner. And Larry, uh, he never lack of uh, confidence. I Larry. talked with some guys in Olympiacos, and they said that, I mean, he feels that he can guard LeBron James. I mean, that's how confident he is, and it, nice. it's part of his devotion uh, for the game. He thinks that everybody on the court is equal, uh, equal and Actually, his confidence in himself and his belief in his role was kind of the problem at the beginning when he was working in, with Yorgos Bartsokas and Olympiakos last year uh, because it was hard for him to accept his role, let's say, to be the guy just coming uh, off the bench and being fourth uh, or fifth yeah. guard on the rotation. And, uh, but as soon as he kind of adjusted to it, as, as soon that, as he saw that he might be effective role player, not only in Olympiakos, yeah. I love him in the Greek national team as well. I probably, I think that he also now notices how good it is for him. And he's, he was, he's not very consistent, uh, let's say, mental wise because he's in very consistent going through these highs and lows but when he finds his rhythm through defense i mean he he can be very valuable piece as he was in the game against I mean, he's Barca. just getting a lot of experience i mean with age uh, he's going to yeah. be more consistent and it's it's his only second year in the year league he's 29 yep. so he's kind of late bloomer in terms of being very good local role player for a final four contender and he just has this olympiakos dna like when Olympiacos yeah. were winning Final Fours, it was because of Spanulis, but also because of their defense. And was always a very tough team with a lot of character. And Lorenzakis just has this like Olympiacos DNA, which is another thing I love about him. Also, what I would like to say is that um, Yorgos Borzokas really feels his team very well. Usually he has like more or less prepared rotation, how many minutes each, uh, maybe the key players will have to play. However, in this case, like he tried with Shaq McKissick, he saw it's not working out, so he didn't uh, include McKissick in the rotation after the uh, halftime. And Isaiah Cannon got two quick fouls and he went to the bench. But that didn't stop Bartzokas from trusting Cannon to, to, to play the third quarter. And in the third quarter, Cannon scored nine points. Also for Cannon, it was kind of a big comeback to Palau because, you know, yeah, yeah. like last after season, last he, he happened, was famous right? for shushing the crowd and and, and I, was expect, I was expecting uh Larian <laughs> Zakis or you know doing that uh I think when Cannon left the gym outside he was like doing I something think like I this. think they talked about it after the final <laughs> whistle because they had some kind of a chatter there going on but and you know you see how easy it is when you keep the core to incorporate solid role players like Alec Peters uh Joel Bolomboy Tariq Black they have their specific roles and they're playing their roles and and the key players are still there the same from the last season like Slukas, Vezenkov and also the same coach the same system and for Barca 
you see big name players, but it, at this point of the season, it's not really clear what lineups they want to play, what is their best lineup, how they want to end games, how they want to play in the fourth quarter, who they're going to trust in crucial moments. Right now, La Provitola looks like the guy, probably. Again, Corey uh, Higgins. Corey Higgins, should, but he was good. Uh, he, in, the flow into this. in the second half, Corey Bro. Higgins had some some buckets, but he's still not in his best shape, probably. For sure. And Satoransky, Jokobaitis in this game, they sort of disappeared, I would say. And they didn't have Mirotic, they didn't have Kuric, uh, they they lacked shooters. And um, also, the free throw numbers tell you a lot. Like, Olympiacos hit 25 free throws. From 25. Barca at home only had 13 free throws. And Olympiacos was playing aggressive defense. Yes. And just, just coming back to uh, Larenzakis thing, uh, you know, why I like him so much, you know, and why I like players like him, because... He seems like he is, you know, one of us. This is the same why mm -hmm. everyone likes Steph Curry, you know, because he's not two meters and five centimeters and he's not jumping, uh, I don't know, he doesn't have a vertical leap of one meter or something like that. He seems like he's one of us that, that just made it to the highest level and he plays his heart out, out every time he's, he's on the court, you know. Uh, that's why... You know, when when he's successful, when when players like like these two guys are successful, is just such a nice story for me, and uh, this is why I want the jersey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's 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 fair. <laughs> and you mentioned Joel Bolomboy. I mean, there was a very good contrast uh, between him and Hassan Martin picture from the last year, and we we just watched Alba Berlin, uh, no Red Star and FS game, and then we turned on this uh, Barcelona Piagos game, and there was a specific situation where Hassan Martin was posting up, and there were like two defenders uh, of of FS, and there was a clear pass beyond the arc with the guy open, and Hassan Martin noticed him just in the last uh, second, and he was fouled, so they just missed a good three points opportunity. Then you have Joel Bolomboy. And he's starting some. I mean, two of these Lanzakis three pointers in the fourth quarter started from Joel Bolomboy just doing good thing at passing the ball after the short roll or just reading the uh, double team. And that was also uh, Satoransky's mistakes there. Yeah. To yeah. be honest, uh, but I, mean, I saw Shatter, I saw yeah. Shatter so mad uh, uh, at Sat at Satoransky. You know. The, the help was not needed there on on, the, on those couple of short rolls, and uh, Satoransky was just so far away from Larenzakis when you know he's that's the only thing he can do on Especially the court, in the you corner. Know, uh, spot up shots, and just uh, no. But just in general, I mean, Bolomboy's presence yeah. not only defensively but offensively, he was the best game per, uh, player per plus uh, and minuses in the second half uh, by far, and. Mustafa Fall actually had a bad game, which which happens. And I mean, Mustafa Fall was minus seven, and Bolomboy was plus ten in the second half. It tells a lot how important he and was uh, behind this victory. No, not only Bolomboy, also Tariq Black gave the, gave them yeah. solid minutes in the yeah. second quarter, which means that they uh, replaced uh, Hassan Martin with Bolomboy. You could say it, it might Hayes, be an upgrade, yeah. upgrade, even though Martin before a couple of injuries was really great as an undersized center. And also they, they signed Tariq Black instead of Quincy Acey. He didn't even playing. play yeah. mm -hmm. this season. And Tariq Black, you can see that as a third center, as a third option, he's really trustworthy. He has enough experience. He has a, enough athleticism and everything else that's needed. And like I said, I just love the lineup with with uh, Peters as a four and Vizenkov as a three. So Bartsokas this year has 
even more options to play different lineups than he had last season when they when they went to the final four. Yeah, and just as you mentioned about these lineups with Vizenkov as the freeman. Uh Vizenkov was a small forward and second and third best line of Olympiakos in in this game. So mm. it tells also lots about I mean when uh, in the second quarter when they uh, cracked the game, let's say open, when Olympiakos got the run, it was I mean basically all game they were playing the Spain pick and roll, the one they are masters off and and Barca had a lot of problems and they and Barca was switching were switching the Spain pick and roll in the in the second quarter when Olympiakos got the run and it was ball on boy who got two offensive rebounds in a row against La Provitola under the basket. Uh, they scored, I think, eight points after uh, three, actually three offensive rebounds. And it was, but just overall, all the game, uh, they run this Spain pick and roll action at such a high level. It's going to be really interesting to see how teams, you know, adjust because we saw Barcelona not switching in the second half and it's going to be, you know, an adjustment in the upcoming games for everyone who plays Olympiacos. It was interesting to see that Shara started with Vesely on walk-up. Walk yeah, like Kalinic was doing his thing uh, with Wazenkov and, and Vesely started uh, on walk-up. And the first quarter for Barca was good, actually. They were leading 16-13. Olympiacos only hit some accidental shots, I would say. They only had one assist in the first quarter, but uh, maybe part of the reason was that they had Mustafa Fall on the court, and in this case, he was not really effective as, as a big, big center. Uh, but the scary thing to me is that now Jalgiris has to play Olympiacos. <laughs> it's it like they look like the best prepared team for the season mm. from what we saw in the first round. I, I believe best prepared with the best, uh, you know, chemistry pool of players. Yeah, mm. yeah, because we know that like FS and and Real Madrid, they have more talent, uh, but they might need a little bit more time because of uh, various reasons. They have some newcomers. Real Madrid has a new coach, and things th things need time. Like they didn't have a very good game against Pau, even though they won. And Barcelona also needs time, need and time. they need time they not, need only, not only not uh, only to build the team with what they have right now, but they need time to to get back <clears throat> with Nikola Mirotic and Kyle Kuric on the court. Even yeah, he's just back to the rhythm. And I mean, they're on a tough schedule. They're hosting Real Madrid uh, this week. Uh, then the next week is going to be a double game week and they're going to Munich and Konas. I yeah. mean, that's I mean, not uh, an Probably easy we have to stop using words tough schedule because right now there's Basically no such thing as an easy schedule. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But as we discussed with... Uh, what would be the easy schedule in the EuroLeague? You're playing I mean, uh, two home games yeah, out of three and Double then... game week where you play Asvel and... Maybe, but that's not necessarily maybe. an easy game. Yeah. And then on Sunday you play at home also in ACB League against Fuenlabrada or Saragossa. That could no, no. be a uh, third game, three games of Euroleague. I, I mean, uh, without without looking at the let's say ACB, what would be the three teams? Uh, so you need a double game week at home. You play Asvel, and let's say you play. Um, Mm, I don't know. Alba at home because you don't want to play them in Berlin. You don't want to play them in and Berlin. And then maybe you Parties go to Belgrade. And then maybe you go to Konas. But that's not mm, easy. That's not an easy game. It's not easy. You you you. There's a good odd that you lose at least one of these three games. So I mm. don't know. There's no such thing as an easy schedule right now. Obviously. Yeah, and talking about Partizan, I mean, there was that moment where Jelko Bradovic started his pregame uh, interview with a. Hey, let's just. Uh, 
be happy about Partizan mm, coming back to the league and like in that meme, one hour later, they're down by 26 in the 13th minute of the game. Prochida is just dunking with all these putbacks, making corner trees and they're down by 26. I mean, what what were, I don't know if Viritis, you managed to watch that game. I didn't see the full game. Yeah, August watched that game as well. I mean, wh- what's wrong? What's not clicking with Partizan so far? Uh, so... I have a couple points, but let's start with this one. Um, their front court for me uh, needs something more there. I don't know how to say that. I mean, it's a small sample size. It's only one game. It's an away game for a newly constructed team. So they will need time. But um, uh, Koprivica started the game. Didn't really do well. Uh, Zach Lee, they seemed out of place offensively, like uh, a lot of partisan players did. There was a lot of, you know, this, uh, you go there, you go there, Jelko is doing this. Even uh, offensively, know. that was the same from the first possession, actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about offense right now. Yeah. You know, people just didn't know where to be, where to start the offenses. And with Alba pushing you out of the set place, like first first set play, we see Ponte running out of the screen. He's supposed to get a ball on 45 and there's just Alba denying him. And then Partizan goes into complete crisis. So... Um, so yeah, I was talking about the big guys. And then uh, they tried uh, with, you know, th- these two guys struggling, Koprivitz and Lee, they, they tried uh, in the second quarter, they played a small ball lineup with Papa Petru playing at the five. They had a lineup uh, with, with which it was Exum, Andusic, uh, Nunnally, probably Panther, Nunnally, and Papa Petru on the court. Wow, one of the most like random. The, that's an extreme small ball. Extreme, <laughs> extreme small ball, and it didn't work at all. Like Alba was uh, getting all the rebounds offensively, and uh, their plan was was extremely simple: just give the ball into the post and test Partizan's defensive rotations. And uh, you know, there was a lot of easy lob passes. There was the rotations were one second late everywhere. A lot of open freeze. And you don't want to give an open freeze to a team like Alba in the first home game because you have a huge crowd behind them. The team gets energy and this is exactly what happened. So, and offensively for Partizan, this small ball lineup didn't even work. Like Alba was doing things like Olympiakos, let's say, did playing really good one-on-one defense. If you are driving, there is help. So, and and this is where we, uh, they went into this uh, 26 point, point deficit in the, in the second half. So, I just don't see enough of uh, faces in the front court if things don't don't go uh, really well from the start. And uh, I, I mean, it's only one game, but uh, I think they will be looking for something there, mm-hmm. an, an extra guy. Just to add that extreme small ball lineup was minus 10 in, in, in a stretch of three minutes. And that was the worst lineup actually of the game. Yeah, they didn't score in four straight possessions. Papa Petro missed two shots. Uh, I think Punter missed one. And uh, they got scored on, on every possession. But you I just gotta love uh, the ball movement of Alba Berlin. Like thirty-one assists, they had sixty-one points after two quarters. You have. You know, it's it's easy to pass when the defense is so. I know, and when you have a passing big man like Luke Sigma. Yeah. Also, the guards were dishing assists. Amir Blatt, Maudolo. Um, you could say that some of the players didn't even perform as well as expected. Like for Jalen Smith, the shots were not going in, and we were expecting him to have a better second season in Berlin, but as a team, they performed to such a high level that Partizan was just outplayed. The game could have ended after the second quarter, honestly. 61 points. They couldn't make a proper comeback. I believe they managed to cut it to 11 
but, or 12, I think, but some, that's, something like that's that. That's yeah. as, as, as near as they went. And, and Alba Berlin just always responded. And that's the style they play. And you see more or less the same roster from last year. They know each other very well. The chemistry is, is really good. This team is built around good characters, good leaders like Luke Sigma. Mm. So you have to give respect to, to them. And for Partizan, obviously, from this game, you need to take a lot and realize that it's not going to be easy. It was it wasn't a typical let's say game from Obradovich's team. It was a sloppy beginning. It was you know Exum was great in in offensively, but he was really slow getting around screens. So mm. they scored two early three pointers because of that, and they got out of an easy run of, out of that. And then you know the switch all defense that is supposed to be the main let's say catalyst, uh, the main base of Partizan's defense was just. Too many mistakes, too many easy, easy baskets. And uh, the last thing was uh, fouls before bonus. Mm. You know, Obradovich is, you know, all in on this question. So at uh, after eight and a half minutes in the first quarter, uh, Partizan had, uh, I think, uh, wait. One or two. Uh, yeah, uh, they fouled once in the first eight and a half minutes in the first quarter, one time. 26 points in those eight and a half minutes. In the next... In the uh, quarter when they are allowed 33 points. Yeah, they they, they also fouled, uh, didn't have, uh, didn't reach the, 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 the team foul limit. So it was it was really strange, but these are, are all, you know, let's say mistakes that can be uh, fixed yeah. during the practices and, and just with more time, so. Yeah, and you know, th they're lacking chemistry because they had a lot of injuries during the preseason. I mean, like around five guys being in and out, they still have injured players, including Alex Avramovich, uh, for example, or even Yamadar. He was not 100% uh, healthy for the situation. They're missing Smilagic. I mean, they don't have any chemistry, both offensively and defensively. And that's why, uh, as, as you mentioned, you see some bad signs about the team, what they're missing, but at the same time, it's also very important not to overreact after the yeah. first game. And that's so far as the initial idea of, of Partizan, just to wait for everybody to get healthy, to get back on track, then to build the team, to build the chemistry and see what's what's missing and what's not. Because so far from, from what I'm hearing, they, they're, let's say, looking at the market for a point guard and for a center. But if they will do any moves, that's still not clear uh, yet. But if, if that happens, for example, what would you prefer to add, a point guard or a center to this point team? Point guard. I don't know. Both. <laughs> Both probably, but yeah. if I had to pick one, uh, I'd say a point guard. But again, I need names. I need to see what quality can they bring. Oh, okay, so far. Obviously, Campazzo it a, here would be... Obviously, it would be a quality center over um, average point guard. But mm. if it's Campazzo we're talking about, then, yeah. then that's a no-brainer. Yeah, of course. Campazzo theoretically is on the market, although the GM Zoran Savic told that they didn't talk to him at all. Uh, we can just check the market. There's Luca Vildoza. Uh, and also there was a big speculation actually behind the scenes that Nigel Williams-Gaz might be the guy if Campazzo comes back to Real Madrid, then they need to find some team for Nigel Williams-Gaz. And why not to come back to Partizan because they're looking for the point guard, although I'm not so sure if that's the point guard they actually need for, for, uh, for this team. Who would you choose uh, from, let's say, Bulldoz and Goss, because uh, Campazzo is a no-brainer? Williams Goss? Yeah. Bulldoz is just basically a pick-and-roll shooter. I wouldn't and call they, him a floor general. They don't need, uh, you know, they don't need another shot creator. 
in yeah. my eyes. They need just someone who would orchestrate uh, the offense. Yeah. Right. Okay. Because they have enough guys at mm -hmm. the second, uh, third, and fourth position that can score points, that can play pick and roll, mm. that can handle the ball and go in transition. So. You know what? Another thing I wanted to say is actually we're talking more about Partizan, even though they lost. I want to say that um, Alba Berlin organization deserves a lot of respect for always thinking outside the box. Like ever since um, Eddie Tavares started this trend that every team needs to have at least one giant center mm -hmm. and all the elite clubs are looking for those and there are not too many on the market. At, at one point, they, they gambled with Chris Kumaje. And I remember his first games in the EuroLeague, you thought like, it's the first it's, time he's playing basketball. It's not <laughs> gonna work out. Like he doesn't have anything. But they trusted him. They were patient. And now you can see that he changes the game during the minutes he plays on the court. Even in this game, he had a monster dunk. He finished with eight points and, and six rebounds. Three of those were offensive rebounds. So they found the giant they needed in, in this modern day basketball when you're always looking for um mobile bigs for bigs that can shoot the ball, but at the same time, you want to have that huge body that can cover 12 or 15 minutes and do a lot of damage. Because everybody now has one, like not everybody, but a lot of- Mustafa Fall, Yusuf Fall, Eddie Tavares. Um, those are the prime examples. Yeah. And Alba Berlin just found a player that was overlooked and nobody really thought that this could be a, a EuroLeague center. Yeah, they're always finding some interesting pieces, uh, including Gabriela Procida, for example. Mm. Very, very good game for him. He got got his this confidence with early three pointers. Then these putbacks. I mean, a he's dream just, a dream start. Oh yeah, mm. I agree. I mean, he was fun to watch. I mean, some guys okay, they didn't perform as we're expecting, but guys like Tamir Blatt, they they just overachieved. I mean, yeah, making four of eight three pointers for Alba. It's, it's never about the individual. It's always about the team. You will not have a yearly game will where all 12 players played at their best. Yeah, but just, it's not just about scoring the ball. Yeah. yeah. Luke Sigma with a silent 15, six and seven. Exactly. I mean, there were a lot of interesting games, tough games in round one. one. What would be your, uh, let's say, main first impressions? Uh, probably you all watched Panathinaikos Real Madrid, right? Maybe no, the, no, uh, I didn't. I watched Tralgiris Maccabi, I watched uh, Bayern Fenner, I watched Monaco Virtus and a little bit of FS Zvezda. What 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 main conclusions do you have from the round one? I don't know. I don't have any like general conclusions. I see that those teams that made a lot of roster changes uh, during the summer, uh, they they're still struggling a little bit to find find their rhythm, find their way. Like the prime example is Algiers Maccabi, freshly built teams with a lot of changes with new coaches and. Um, the game had so many ups and downs. Like at one point, it looks like Maccabi doesn't play any defense at all. All of a sudden, after the halftime, they come with a new energy. They start pushing Jalgiris players. They start dominating. They make the run. And then you're thinking like the game's over when they have a 12-point lead. Then Jalgiris, out of nowhere, makes a comeback with a lineup that is more than questionable about talking about their potential uh, scoring abilities and just Thomas mm -hmm. Dimsha starts hitting some shots and Jalgiris was like one possession away from winning the game or stealing the game from Maccabi. Z 0 0.1 seconds yeah, actually. Yeah. Right. So, and so this is what you get when you have two teams that were mm, rebuilt during the summer with a lot of new signings, with a lot of players being replaced and also with, with new coaches. Uh, and the teams that had continuity, like mm -hmm. August mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, Alba, Olympiacos, 
they were most consistent and they were the best teams during the first round. It was for me uh, interesting how all these new, new Euroleague uh, newcomers, new players, mm. kind of kind of struggled. Uh, I mean, not not all of them for sure, but a, a lot of them had tough games. You know, Cassius Winston had a really tough game against Fenner. Mm. Tough timeouts as well, and uh, <laughs> tough timeouts as Carson well. Carson Edwards also struggled. Although he, he had he looked, to st- he looked he didn't look bad but he was he, he, was, he didn't make shots yeah he, he had to step and, up because will that's Dickinson's his injury. game yeah he, he I mean if he's not making shots you can't really say you know he's having a great game but I liked his energy I liked uh, him defensively I enjoyed the uh, the first view of uh, Fener Fenerbahce yeah um I mean I love Nicolaitis from the very first possession amazing yeah, a completely different player. Nigel Hayes Davis also. You know what these two players have in common? <laughs> nah, I told you about this no. forty-four percentage of Nigel Hayes hitting trees. Man, Chad is not his head coach, <laughs> so, I'm, so I'm not surprised. Yeah, Fenerbahce just looked the, the research investigated. Yeah, they looked very solid. Again. They looked very solid defensively. Also, like Bayern Munich were staying in the game because Otello Hunter was hitting jump shots, three yeah. pointers. So it, it was a tough game for Trinkieri, like Lucic who couldn't find his rhythm and, and the newcomers, they no struggled. No one really from, from Bayern. Typical start like, of the season for Bayern. They're going to start like 0 and 5 and yeah, something like that's that, what but happens they're going to make usually. the playoffs in the end. So it's so But well, Jonathan Motley, for example, another newcomer, um, he had a foul trouble, but I love his passing, the way he was reading the He's defense. He's amazing. When he, you saw the two times he got the ball inside, there was like three people around him immediately passed yes, out for exactly. open three-pointers. Exactly. That's such an it's underrated uh, underrated uh, ability for centers. Like Not too many centers have that no. feel. And Motley is very good at this. He had like struggles finishing uh, under the rim. He could have scored a lot more points with, with layups, but mm. that's not a problem. That's not a huge issue. You can see that he's a center that Dimitri Situdis loves to have on his team. And also Jakiri as a backup center had solid minutes. And just in general, Fenerbahce outplayed Bayern Munich and that, that was a well-deserved first first win for them. The other team from Istanbul also won. Uh, Will Clyburn, dominant performance, I would say. He's just coming Chief here, code. taking over, and he's clear yeah. leader of, of that group. Exactly. And obviously, the I mean, highlights. it's just the first game. Of you course, you can't but I say mean, clear leader, but um, for for that, you, you know, will not see night. him hitting those fadeaway shots every time. Like in this game, since he stepped on the court, he started hitting shot after shot, and then grabbed some offensive rebounds, and and in general was unstoppable. Even though Vesda had a good first half, I would say, in the second they just couldn't get a bucket. And my highlight of the week was obviously Mike James. <laughs> killing and destroying uh, Bologna. Uh, 26 points, right? Yep. The MVP. Yeah, when he's focused like this, when he's aggressive and his mind is just about basketball and about his team, he can beat anybody. Like Virtus Bologna, in my eyes, yeah, they they, they found some mismatches with, with their um, bigs, with Mam JT in particular but he couldn't cope with Mike James and they didn't have enough creativity from their own ball handlers. Like if Lundberg was, was struggling and you could feel in a game like this, in an open game, Milos Teodosic would do a lot for them. He was out injured, he couldn't play and they finished only with 66 uh, points. And it was like a very comfortable win, I would say for Monaco. 
we'll we'll discuss all these teams more in depth in the upcoming po- podcast for sure. It's it's really tough to have need to pick some like yeah. most interesting games and yeah. like like I said when these games clash with each other I try to to watch them before I go to sleep on tape delay. Do you remember I I said to you like just don't spoil to yeah. me the scores uh because I want to watch Bayern and and Fenerbahce. And uh, I suggested you taking did, that did game someone, over and Pana you said like you should watch Pau yeah. Real Madrid but that was too late. <laughs> yeah, although I warned you that Next okay week. maybe just get back to the plan of watching Panathinaikos and Real Madrid. You I just watched actually Panathinaikos and Real Madrid the other day uh, drinking coffee because it was on TV. Uh, mm. So I watched it a little. They bit. were so close of winning that game. They were just Grigonis was missing some good shots. It was his worst career night stretch. I would say numbers. he's two of twenty three in Super Cup against Olympiacos and then uh, in the game against uh, Real Madrid, and he was missing good shots. Yeah, Real Madrid didn't play very well. Of course, of course. But getting the W is what matters. Yeah, so we'll discuss all these teams more in depth in the upcoming episodes. And today, let's conclude the pod with the players ranking uh, we did last week, ranking top 50 players uh, in in the EuroLeague. What were your biggest? Let's start with the surprises, and then let's go to snubs. Um, I have two surprises. Like first of all, ranking Janel Musa at number 16 is really generous. I believe he can play up to that level. Yeah, yeah. but. At, so far at now at this moment yeah at this moment we haven't biased. seen him delivering in the Euroleague and there are so many uh, Euroleague vets left behind him in exactly. the ranking exactly. so I was really He's surprised higher than Gabriel Deck and you yeah. know and a lot of good players just you of, name yeah, it other players Wilbekin I mean I would say Hunter, Higgins I'm a bit surprised about like Kevin Pangos being so much higher than Nicolaitis like Kevin Pangos being at number 10 yes I know he had an amazing season with Xavi Pasquale But let's remember, he really struggled in in Barcelona, and those days uh, for him playing in Jalgiris are. And he didn't play in Cleveland at all yeah, last like, season. Yeah, Jalgiris had a poor first season, then an amazing second season. Like uh, we know that he has everything basically to be a good and uh, successful point guard in an elite Euroleague team. But uh, the gap between him and Nick Kalaitis in this ranking to me is unfair. What about uh, Satoransky at 13? Again, I could too say high. the same thing. I could say the same thing. Like Kaladius is too low, and Pangos. Satoransky is too Satoransky, high. Satoransky, both in my eyes, are too high. I don't have such a big problem with Pangos, but uh, but top Satoransky. 10 player. That's that's. He's a, a 10. Yeah. Yeah, he's 10. I mean, I mean, Nicolas Labrito. He could prove to be a top 10 player. I'm not denying that. I think a lot of people, I mean, 33 uh, journalists, uh, coaches, GMs, other players, they were living with that memory of him being the floor general. Yeah, that's re- recency bias. Exactly. Uh, we call it Just like it worked with Janan Musa when we wor- uh, oh, saw yeah. him, you know, that crazy, was, crazy performance in Eurobasket and last this. season in Spain. Yeah. And Nicolas Lopravitola, I think he's also one of the bigger surprises. I mean, being 26th ranked mm. over Nick Kalaitis and many other great uh, players, including Wade Baldwin, one of my Yeah, what do you think about snubs. Wade Baldwin being left out of the Shh. top 50? It's not fair. It's not fair. I mean, I think that everybody was, let's say, concerned about his character, about his People were not ranking his skills. People were ranking him the of way he the, functions in the team. When you rank somebody, it has to be some combination. But an overall I think his talent was disrespected because he's gr- he can be great offensively. And when he is in his zone, he can be very mm, uh, good defensively as well. Yeah, so. who, who wants to tell me that 
Marko Gudrić is a better basketball player than Wade Baldwin. Or Akila Polonara, for example. Yeah. Or Marius, or Marius Grigonis. Yeah, exactly. Or aging Chacho Rodriguez. Yeah. You're not rating his experience. You're like rating what can he give to the team right now. Who would you take to or your team? Or Ife Lundberg even. Like Ife Lundberg is rated higher than Wade Baldwin. But well, it depends. Who would you take to your team? Chacho Rodriguez or Wade Baldwin? It depends on what team. Yeah. If it's Real yeah. Madrid, it's it's Chacho. If it's Jalgiris, then then it's Wade Bolg. <laughs> I need someone that can bring my team higher. That's why it's so, so, so hard so. to rank the players. Actually. Yeah, and actually, we saw for the first time Lorenzo Brown playing together with Wade Baldwin, and I don't think it was very very good. Like, it helped that Wade hit three long distance shots, but that's not. I want I want usually. to see a bit more of that. Yeah. Yeah. To, I agree completely, but conclusion. it looks like it, it has to be Lorenzo's team, and, and he had a double-double with points and assists, but uh, obviously we loved Bonzi Colson's um, off-the-ball movement and so many cuts, so many times he just saved their, their possessions by cutting to the paint and getting the pass from Lorenzo and finishing with a layup, and four blocks also. By the way, Darren Hillard is injured, injured his knee, and it might be serious. Yes. Just some oh. hot news we, we got to know during the pod, so... But they have Austin Hollins, they have with Baldwin, they have De Bartolomeo, they should cope with it. But it's a shame that Darren Hillard, such a talented player, yeah. gets injuries all the time. Last mm. season in Bayern, he also had uh, quite a few injuries. Yeah, he, he played, he appeared on only 40% mm. of the Euroleague games. So actually Baldwin was the first outside the top 10, uh, 50, uh, according to our ranking. Uh, who else was snubbed as well? I have uh, Steven Enoch at 88. I think people, uh, I mean, at least from my point of view, this rating is like kind of projection for this season. And I think he is going to you know, be a beast this 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 year. Let, let's say it's a combination uh, of the previous season, this summer as well, if somebody performed in Eurobasket, and of course, uh, of projection course. for the upcoming season. Yeah, so I think he, let's say at for now, okay, he's 88, but uh, 88th, but uh, after the end of this season, I think he will be much, much higher. Borderline top 50 player, for example. Mm. At not, least. Yeah. yeah. Although when Kotzer is playing so well, I mean, that's going to be, oh. that can, 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 that could be a nice front line in, in Vittoria. James Nunnally was also 79th. I mean, that's too low. 79th. Yeah, that, that is too low because he, he had, had a good season, season in Maccabi. I mean, he's going to be an important player for Partizan. He was their top scorer in the He's a proven EuroLeague vet. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. He won with Jelko before. But I mean, there were some interesting results. Let's see. Do you agree with ranking. the top five completely? Uh, let me go back. What? It's Eddie Tavares, Shane Larkin, Mike James, uh, Nikola Mirotic, and Vasa Mitic. Uh, I think I'm kind of okay. Uh, mm. Ranking Vasa over Mirotic because Mirotic is injured. And I mean, you can't rank, uh, you know, two-time champion and two-time uh, finals MVP not number one. I think it's just uh, because of their winning and him winning yeah. an MVP once and winning. There are no signs that MVP. he cannot perform at that level. Uh, the the only guy I would have in the top five is Will Clymer, though. I, I love the list of free names that are outside of the top five, like Vezenkov, Clyburn, and Yabusele. I love all three of these players. I would love to have them on my team. But uh, except Clyburn, is just uh, I would love to have them both, uh, Vezenkov and Yabusele. But I just don't think you can rank them number uh, in the top five. No, because, you can't. You can't because uh, just 
other guys are making so many plays yeah. for, for for these two. Obviously, you cannot rank them any higher. But you know, Yabusele, if you rank the power forward, let's say, and if you're locking Mirotic as number one, despite his injury, two three, then is... you have the discussion between Vazenkov and and Yabusele, and they are different players. Obviously, like Vazenkov mm -hmm. can play as a free, Yabusele can play as a five. Yeah, but man, I love both of them. Like really, sometimes you... it's unfair to rank them like <laughs> they are different and they're yeah. both great donatas could uh tell you how it was uh, just uh in the ave about uh Vizenkov on friday just seeing uh, all the things he does i just love to follow his movement on on the court and he moves like a veteran he moves in like, a good way he i moves, mean yeah. he takes the most efficient of that situation he moves like veteran but at the same time he has so much energy and he covers so much ground just running and cutting all the time whenever he thinks there is a shot coming up so to go for offensive rebound is just uh and last season we, we we saw him very often playing like 35 minutes in regular season games right now olympiakos is built better so they will not need to play him like for 35 minutes usually 27 will be more than enough with alec peters yeah it was actually so fun to watch the game with Augustus because he watched so many Shara's games, both in Jargris and Barca. That I, I mean, we're it just the regular inbound play during the game, and he says like, "Okay, so Shanli now he will pop out and he no, will make it, a three it wasn't the regular. It was like two seconds left, uh, so they needed. I mean, every a quick just shot. a regular play because every play he could see some things before it actually happened. So it's like watching the game and having the playbook next to you. Right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it, it actually, it's a spoiler alert at the same time. So I'm still have mixed feelings on you that don't experience. Know if the shot's gonna go in. That's true. That's that's true. But it's the only then part. the game is so obvious when Augustus is on your right. So anyway, there is some some other spoiler alert as well. We are planning to release the yearly GM survey this week on off-season signings, upcoming season predictions, some other intriguing topics, including the yearly uh, final four uh, format changes and some other things. Uh, best of season signings, who will be the next NBA player coming uh, from the EuroLeague, who will win the MVP trophy and EuroLeague in general. So there are going to be a lot of interesting things to discuss next week, including the round uh, two games uh, this week. I'm looking forward to yeah. Thursday night, like Monaco FS. That's the one I got to watch. And after that, Barcelona Classico. Classico. And who's on Friday? Fenerbahce Maccabi. And what's the next game you're picking? Or just watching Fenerbahce Maccabi? I mean, because obviously I will clash. be stuck with Jalgiris Olympiakos. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. obvious. And then the other game I will try to watch is probably Fenerbahce Maccabi. Okay, guys. It was a pleasure to spend this hour with you. Yep. See you next week, week. And don't forget to, first of all, to click the like button below this video and then to subscribe this Basket News channel because it really helps us to grow. It is Fischnauskas, Augusta Shulauskas, Donatas Urbanas. Thanks for watching and see you next week.